0: Hey, welcome to the podcast M&A War Stories. You're joined by your hosts, Robert Heaton and Toby Tester. Each week, we walk through our experiences of M&A projects where we've been involved and we unpack the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our purpose is simply to leave you with valuable lessons that you can use in your M&A projects. And so let's not waste any more time and get this podcast underway.
1: Hey, Toby, how are you? Oh, great, Robert. Yeah, great. Let's see, start of another week. Beautiful and sunny up in Sydney. How about
0: you, sir? Well, it's beautiful and sunny here, clear blue skies, but we, uh, we're we still in lockdown. In fact, it's been extended for another two weeks, so uh, I'm not going to go any more into that conversation because it's crazy.
1: <laughs> what can you say? It is what it is, Robert.
0: It, it is what it is, yeah. Um, I've got one of my favourite topics to talk about this week. Uh, I, I'm Got a, a, a love of transport and anything to do with transport. And so, yeah, so this isn't really an MA, it was a restructure that I was involved in. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the decisions that were taken still apply as easily to MA. They right. also resonate to some of the points we made in a previous podcast about treating people with respect and not treating them as an asset.
1: Yes. Right.
0: And so I thought and it was, it was a UK scenario, and I thought I'd walk through it and
1: um, just see what you think about it as well well, I'm interested in hearing the uh, story, Robert, and it's funny you mentioned that it's not specifically to do with M & A, but in many respects, the things that we do in our corporate careers there's a lot of parallels so yeah. and I think from that, and particularly with your sort of strong manufacturing and logistics experience, it's going to resonate with deals that have been the M&A type deals?
0: Yeah, so this particular scenario was in the UK. This was a large manufacturing and logistics business, and the board had been keen to overhaul the entire business. There was opportunity to reduce costs, there was productivity improvements, there there was a whole pile of initiatives that were set in motion by the board. And and this particular manufacturing business also got a new CEO. So he was keen to um, get brownie points and uh, steer this uh, overhaul to a, a successful outcome. I was actually part of the, the leadership team. I was an external consultant, but I was acting yeah. almost as part of the leadership team because of my strong manufacturing and logistics experience so i was actually leading several of the initiatives across that business right and that was that was my role and i'll start this story because I, I i walked in one particular morning i was heading towards the main project office and as i walked past i couldn't help but notice that the cfo was was sitting in his office with a grin 10 feet wide really happy as, a- happy as anything and, and I don't know about you, but when you see a CFO that's happy, you always get suspicious.
1: Well, I must admit, that sounds like an unusual one there, Robert. I must admit, seeing a happy CFO. But tell me, tell me, I'm interested. Why was he so very happy?
0: So what had kicked this off was that that this company had its own transport and logistics operation. Mm -hmm. They, they got 30 plus trucks on the road all the time. And the fleet lease was due for renewal. And the the CFO had been in the process of negotiating the renewal of that lease. But it it triggered some thoughts with him about whether he could outsource the entire warehousing and logistics function. And he'd actually uh, negotiated with a a third-party logistics firm Mm -hmm. for them to take everything off them so literally all that was going to happen was this company was going to produce its products to the end of the production line. This third-party company was going to come in and take everything from there and do the entire distribution network. And then better still, from his point of view, the company next door to them was Mm. looking to upgrade their own premises. So he'd actually managed to offload the entire distribution and logistics center buildings mm. over to the next door neighbors. So not only did he got rid of all of his distribution challenges and the hassles and truck leases and unions and storage and hazardous chem- yeah. chemicals chemical all that stuff, but he'd also reduced his rates bill and got rid of a whole pile of the the, the warehousing premises that they no longer need. He <laughs> it was it was as happy as anything there was only one small problem, and that was that there were 55 people that worked in that warehouse and logistics centre. Yeah. Um, and they were going to be instantly out of a job.
1: Yeah, now that's interesting, because what you just described sounds fabulous so far, certainly from a financial perspective. I I thought, yeah, no problems. And I've seen it done before, by the way, myself. So I, I've, I got transport logistics experience myself. So tell me, what happened? So all these people are suddenly unemployed. So what happened from there?
0: Well, there was a serious lack of empathy in, in, in the CFO because essentially what he'd done was he'd he negotiated all this stuff in secret.
1: Yeah.
0: He simply saw the drivers and the warehouse crew as yeah. just disposing of assets, right? Mm. And so just sent an email out advising everyone that their employment will be terminated at the end of the month. And and the, and he then had the audacity
1: yeah. to
0: send out another email setting out a, a list of actions that he wanted completed so that the logistics uh, department could be in, in the right shape to be transferred over to the neighbors. Right? I mean, it was literally a smack in the teeth for the 55
1: drivers and warehouse staff, right?
0: And I. I I, I was just gobsmacked at this. Well, I'm
1: surprised you're gobsmacked, uh, to go with Robert. I mean, it sounds like fabulous from a financial perspective. It sounds like a great idea, except um, you didn't take into account that human beings were actually involved in this.
0: No, not at all. And you can imagine the feeling in the distribution centre that they were depressed, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Of course, they felt powerless to do anything about it. It was a fate accompli, as far as they were concerned. They'd just mm-hmm. been sacked and told they're no longer needed.
1: Yeah, no consultation, nothing. Just a straight email uh, out of the blue.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, luckily for them, I had a bit of a dastardly plan that I thought...
1: <laughs> now, this is remember, interesting, Robert. A dastardly plan.
0: Yeah, but you remember Mutley from... Uh, what was the cartoon? It oh, was Dick Dastardly, wasn't it? Yeah. Dastardly. yeah. Yeah, Mutley the dog. A dastardly plan. Yeah, yeah, so I actually had lunch with the warehousing crew and uh, the following day. And I outlined an idea for them to consider, and I've got to tell you, I got 100% agreement, but almost to the man, they were skeptical about whether I could pull it off or not. Right, Right. okay. And I'm not going to outline my idea yet, I'll just tell what I did next. What, What the CFO didn't know was that the logistics company that had been awarded the new contract I actually knew the CEO of that business really well because we both sat together on the road transport advisory board. And so quick phone call to him and I agreed to meet him that day for a beer just to um, outline my thoughts. So that's what we did. We, we got together over a beer because I, I knew him personally right? and I outlined an idea to him. And essentially, the idea was that all of those drivers and warehouse staff could move over to his employment and continue to operate that contract. There's Mm -hmm. two challenges here. First one was that trying to keep wraps on that, because I had to lay out the idea to the warehouse crew to make sure that they were happy with me doing that, Mm -hmm. right? Trying to keep wraps on it and keep it quiet. Boy, God, that was hard. (laughs) <laughs> the last thing we needed was someone blabbing to senior management and the whole thing getting out of the bag.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So I, I basically sat down with his CEO and I said, I asked him, I said, look, look, you've got this new contract, it's fantastic. What are you doing to fill it in terms of resources? Hmm. His immediate comment was, oh, we've got HR on that. They're launching a recruitment campaign. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for a so 50 people, drivers and warehouse operatives. Uh, and I, I just turned around and said the obvious. So I said, well, I, c- I can give you 50 drivers and warehouse operatives and they're all skilled at handling the products that you're about to start moving. Yeah. And they know all the customers and everything else. And I mean, basically, as a result of that, he just rang his HR straight away from the pub where we were having a beer yeah. and they. We said, put the recruitment on hold for 48 hours until I've spoken to you.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so I've got to say that for both of us, the, uh, those beers really refreshing. to tell you. And <laughs> better uh, tasting. Eh? <laughs> <very> <laughs> yeah. So. Now the thing was, there was three weeks to go before the uh, end of the month when these terminations would um, take place. Right. Okay. Everyone had been given their formal notice and been told what their entitlements were. So that was fine from, you know, the the company's point of view that I was working for. But over the course of the following week, all of the transport drivers and the warehousing crew met after hours with the HR manager of the logistics company that was gonna run the new contract. Right. And they all got interviewed. So done properly. There were just five people that didn't make the cut. Everyone yeah. else signed a contract of employment dated one day after they were going to be made redundant from their old job. And then once they'd signed that contract, each one of them went through an induction program, again, after hours. Right. Right? So so everything was ready. Fast forward a couple of weeks, and it was a pretty wet and gloomy Friday. I do remember that. And, and 55 people finished their last shift and were formally made redundant. Their entitlements got paid out. I, I, and I've got no doubt in my mind the CFO was probably sitting there rubbing his hands and very pleased with himself. But, of course, what he was unaware of was that almost everyone would walk back into the platform
1: With the working um, with the new logistics provider.
0: That's it. That's it. <laughs> and, i tell you, I would have given my back teeth to have seen the look on the CFO's face when those guys walked back into the plane yeah. in new uniforms and driving a brand new fleet of trucks. <laughs> but, but what I actually did was more rewarding. Right. Now, the one thing that I have is a semi-license, and the logistics team knew that. So as a mark of recognition, of what had been achieved and their new mm-hmm. jobs, they asked me if I'd drive the first truck back into the business and lead lead the rest in. And I, I, I readily agree agreed to that mm-hmm. I did. Better still, that weekend I was guest of honor at a barbecue with all the drivers and their families. It was a, a, a celebration because they'd essentially moved on to
1: better things. You know, it's funny, Robert, as you say this, because it is quite extraordinary that those people effectively left, came back to the same place, doing similar jobs, same location, everything. Yeah. And uh, it was great. I mean, to be honest, that, that to me is a bit like a, it's like a bit of judo to me. I mean, that's a, It sounds like an incredible treatment. And, and they all got their uh, redundancy payouts as well how good is that so they've got a, i mean really and truly that is pretty darn good they just rock it up the next day different uniforms but with a nice big entitlement check
0: exactly and that was my dastardly plan that went into action <laughs> and I, i've got to say I, I i still smile about it and i'm still proud of what we did on that particular scenario but
1: okay there's a big but here
0: okay but well the the, the, the friend of mine that was the ceo of the logistics company he was delighted it, it filled the 50 vacancies that he had with experienced people that could handle his new customers products they had existing relationships with all the regular delivery drops yeah. so everything that they did was strengthening his brand image in the marketplace right, right. the drivers and crew were happy i mean this ceo of well you, you could tell i mean he and i sat on a Transport Advisory Board. Hmm. So, he had an exemplary record of work safety and, and image. All, all of the drivers had brand new Scania semi-trucks that were driving. Hmm. Uh, they were the envy of other professional drivers on the road. So, every, everybody at that end was happy.
1: Okay, uh, everybody's happy, but how about apart, the
0: TFO? Apart from one person. <laughs> yeah and I literally walked into the building that Monday morning and I was told that he wanted to see me. Right. And that he was not happy at all with what had happened. Right. Um, He felt cheaped, right? And I I was half through thinking about, right, okay, well, I'm going to have to bite the bullet here anyway. And then I got a more important request because the chairman wanted to see me. And in that business, when the chairman sends you a request to meet with you, reading between the lines means that, that means I want to see you now, get your backside to my office. (laughs) I was slightly bit in trepidation, but Mm. I'd had meetings with the chairman before. He seemed like a reasonable sort of person. Mm. So whilst I was slightly fearful, I wasn't too worried. Anyway, I, i I went into the chairman's office and the bottom line was, he wanted to understand what had happened and why I'd negotiated the employment for the logistics team. And I, I told him, told him why. And, and, and he said, in his opinion, that was excellent. He said, because he, as far as he was concerned, those people should have been given front and center consideration
1: mm-hmm.
0: as part of the negotiation. And he wanted to know why that wasn't the case. And of course I couldn't tell him, I said, that's asking me the only person that could tell you that is the CFO and it was only a 15 minute meeting but what I can say is that that lunchtime those, those 50 drivers and warehouse staff who were busy doing their new job right they sat down for lunch as usual but there was two
1: unplanned guests at lunch can you guess who right. that was well I'm I'm beginning to think now two unplanned guests uh, yourself and maybe the chairman. Exactly. Right. Exactly.
0: The chairman came down and sat with those drivers and he gave them a sincere apology for the way that they have been treated. And he wanted them to know that that was not how he expected his business to treat people, period. Mm. Now, the end of this is that I, I, I never did meet with the CFO because the apparently... After I'd walked out for that 15-minute meeting, uh, the CFO had literally walked in, and he had been persuaded to resign with immediate
1: effect. Interesting. Um, Interesting, Robert. Okay.
0: That was the result. He he was gone. Now, what I will say is this. Irrespective of how people feel, I don't condone bad behavior, but on Mm. that particular day, as the CFO left the plant that afternoon having been removed with immediate effect 50 people lined up outside and cheered as he drove past oh, <laughs> now one of the things in this that it reminded me of what I was thinking about it was what I call Heather's big boot theory Heather's big boot theory okay. yeah and, I, I, and I'm sure you can relate to this when I tell you okay. what it is Heather's a good friend of mine and she's a barrister right and she's always espoused what I actually called Hedda's big boot theory. And it's basically that what goes around comes around. That, that by your actions, you reap what you sow, so to speak. Right. And I, I'm convinced that this particular story is strong evidence of Hedda's big boot theory at
1: work. Interesting. That has different sort of connotations, you know, the big boot theory. It's like those who like, rule by the sword die by the sword. Or um, Yes, it's very similar, isn't it? So in other words, as you say, what goes round comes round. It is karma. What what can you you say? Yeah,
0: so sort of some lessons from this story. Um, The first one, and I know you'll tell me that I keep banging on about this.
1: I know Um, what you're going to say. You're going to say, (laughs) go on. on When you you made the decision to act, act swiftly, but always act fairly. You've got it. You've got Ah, it. I've heard the overriding lesson in
0: this one. Always, If if you look at the mechanics of that decision from the CFO, the mechanics were right. It was good for the business. It was good in many ways. But Mm. he completely failed to treat the people
1: fairly. Yes, yeah. It's funny, Robert, because this is a great story, and it, it goes once again that when you get down to it, in this business, as in M&A, ultimately, you're always dealing with human beings. Yeah. It's not a financial thing. It's not a legal thing. It's a human thing.
0: Yeah, you can't treat people like assets. They Maybe just can't, you can't be casually tossed aside when you don't need them anymore. So that's one of the lessons. People are not assets. They can't be tossed aside. They need to be treated with fairness, respect, and dignity. Mm. And, it, and if you don't, it will come back to bite you. Right. The second lesson is that when you act on any decision in business, right, it always gives you the opportunity of looking at multiple solutions to a problem. Yes, and and it pays to spend time exploring those options, particularly when people are affected
1: by it. Indeed, indeed, it's, it's uh, a good point, you no, know, uh, Robert. You know, there's always multiple solutions, and taking the time yeah. to actually explore those different options is so important. If you display empathy
0: and you treat people with respect and courtesy, it will actually help you explore those multiple options. And I think that really closes this off. The third point I want to make here is an observation. The CFO in this case had zero empathy, right? He just viewed people as an asset. And one thing I will say, Without question is, one of the great qualities of good leadership is strong empathy and respect for others. Yes, indeed. Irrespective of circumstances, those qualities will always help you see avenues of possibility that in this scenario
1: were a complete blindness to the CFO. Well, I must admit, uh, Robert, that that's a really, really good story. I know you said at the beginning that it wasn't necessarily related to M&A, but my, it certainly can... It, you know, because you're dealing with people, you're dealing with big change. You know, yeah, I can see so many MA scenarios where that actually happens. And the fundamental lessons still apply. Always yep. uh, when you act, when you make a decision, act swiftly, but always act fairly. I like that. And also that always recognizing that you're dealing with people, they're not a numbered asset. And I think good leadership, having strong empathy and respect for others. I think um, that's great. Great story, Robert.
0: A pleasure. And if you'd like to wrap it up and close
1: us off for this week. Yes. So this is the end of another podcast with Robert and uh, myself, Toby Tester. We both look forward to uh, catching up again with yourselves next week, where we're going to be talking about transitional services and carve-outs. So it's going to be a more pointed story this time. So we'll look forward to catching up with yourselves there.
0: Yeah, I'll look forward to it. So that leaves us to sign off and say bye for
1: now. Goodbye. Bye.